Here's to the crazy ones. The misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers. The round pegs in the square holes. The ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules, and they have no respect for the status quo. You can quote them, disagree with them, glorify or vilify them. About the only thing you can't do is ignore them. Because they change things. They push the human race forward. And while some may see them as the crazy ones, we see genius. Because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. You might not remember that commercial, but you do know its impact. You may not recognize that advertisement, but you have recognized its impact. In 1997, Apple Computers was struggling. It was a struggling computer company. They were struggling from some very poor leadership. And they were trying to compete in a market that was saturated by Windows computers. And what they had been telling people was our computers are just as good as Windows, if not better. Yes, they're more expensive. But ours are, are, are worth it. But in 1997, with that ad campaign that you just saw, Apple chose to think different. And they called the public to do the same. They called us to think different. Think different. What if you could carry a thousand of your favorite songs in your pocket all the time? And out comes the iPod. What if your phone was not just a phone? What if your phone could do other things? Show video, you know, keep you distracted while you're in church with the preacher. What if your phone was smart and suddenly we have the iPhone ten years after that commercial? Uh, what if your computer was not a computer? And now we have iPads. And I look around today and I've I've heard from several of you today that the Wi-Fi has been a little spotty lately. Thank you, Apple, for reminding us of our need for those kind of things. But, but I look around today and I see a lot of you who have adapted this idea, uh, have adapted to the idea of thinking different about these things. Whether it's Apple or whether it's Android or, or whatever you might choose, nothing has remained the same. Think different. So last month we made our way through Luke chapter 5. And there in Luke chapter 5, Jesus was calling His disciples to follow Him. And it was a call to think different. It was a call to be different than the world around them. To distinguish themselves no longer by what they did. Fisherman or, uh, or, or tax collector. But to distinguish themselves by who they followed. If you're following Jesus, you're not going to be following the crowd. You're following Jesus. You're not following along with everybody else. You're not doing life the same as everyone else. You're going to look at different answers. You're going to look at different views. You're going to see things different. You're going to be going in a different direction. And at times, following Jesus is going to feel like swimming against the crowd, swimming against the current. It's going to be different. Last week, as we finished up chapter 5, we heard Jesus give this little parable. We heard Him make this statement. <clears throat> in chapter 5, verses 
verses 37 and 38. He said, No one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins and it will be spilled and the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. Now when you and I talk about wine, we talk about bottles and barrels. right? That's, that's our world. We talk about bottles and barrels. That was not their world. They talked about wineskins. And wineskins were literally that. They were skins. Usually goat skin <clears throat> that they would put the wine in. The goat skin would be cleaned. The goat skin would be cleaned. The goat skin would be cleaned. It would be sewn into a, a bag and they would pour the new fresh wine into that bag. It would be sealed up. And then as the wine fermented, as it changed, as it went from juice to, to wine, as that process happened, the, uh, the, the skin could expand. That fresh skin would accommodate for the fermentation. It would accommodate for the gases to be given off. And, and it would stretch. And then as the wine was fermented, the skins would age. They would harden. There was a firmness to that skin, which was fine. But if you took one of those old wineskins that was now hard and you poured new unfermented wine in it, what would happen? What would happen is that that fermentation process with the gas expanding, it would break the skins. The skins would shatter. The wine would spill out. The wine would be ruined. And what Jesus is saying is, there is a rigidness to our old way of thinking that will not accept the new wine that He is pouring in. And He's right. We can get so fixed on our way of viewing things, on our way of viewing the world around us, that we cannot accept the new that Jesus gives us. You think about that. That's how we are with just about everything. Everything's fine, and then all of a sudden there's new music. No, it's not the music I grew up with. Uh, everything's fine, and suddenly there's new people, and well, I don't even know who those people are anymore. Uh, suddenly there's something new, there's something new, and we, and we like the old. We're attached to the old. It's not what we're used to, or it's not just what we're not used to. It's that's not what I like. That's not the way I like it. And so we balk. And it breaks us and, and it can shatter us because we become so attached to the old way. And so what Jesus is calling for is not for us to loosen up. Jesus isn't calling for us to get with the times. Jesus is calling for us to be remade, to be renewed, to, to be different. And so all this month, we're looking at Jesus' sermon from Luke chapter 6. I mean, it is the logical step. It's the logical next step after Luke chapter 5. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus called Simon the fisherman. He called Levi the tax collector. He called them to follow Him. They left everything and followed. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus healed a leper. He, he, he healed uh, and forgave a paralytic. And now crowds are following because Jesus is doing these amazing things. And the Pharisees are asking questions. What is He up to? What is this teaching He's doing? And it's like new wine into old wineskins. It is not going to fit into their old mindset. It requires something, something different. And it requires something different because the people who are coming to Jesus, the people are different. Now we're going to do things a little different today also. We're going to look at this sermon, Luke chapter 6. We're going to be spending the whole month in it. Today we're going to look at the beginning of the sermon and we're going to look at the end 
of the sermon. We're going to start off with Luke chapter 6, verses 17 through 19, and then we're going to finish with Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 49. It's going to be on pages 862 and 863 in those Bibles in front of you. We're looking at the beginning, at the setting for the sermon, and then we're going to skip to the conclusion. I bet you wish you could do that just about every Sunday, right? Just skip to the conclusion, skip to the end, and then we can beat the Baptists to the buffet. Uh, we get to the restaurant first, and, uh, and we get out a little quicker. Yeah, that'd be great. Well, I can't promise you that today, but we're going to skip to the end. We're doing this for two reasons. First of all, we need to see who's listening to Jesus' sermon. We need to see who his audience is. And then secondly, we need to understand what the sermon is pointing to. We need to see the end so we know what he's working towards. What is Jesus calling those who listen to him to do? Who is he calling us to be? And so he begins in verse 17, and Luke writes, and he, that is Jesus, came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and from the sea coast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all the crowd sought to touch him, for the power came out from him and healed them all. So who's listening? to this sermon well first of all there's the apostles in fact if you go back to the previous section luke names the 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 12 apostles for us he tells us that jesus had called the 12 apostles so the apostles are there but we've also got in verse 17 this great crowd of disciples more than just the 12 sometimes we think it was just jesus and 12 guys walking around all over the place there was a great crowd of disciples at this time. And so we've got all of these people who are committed to following him. There's the 12, there, there's others, uh, there's women there. there. There's all kinds of people following Jesus at this time. And then he says there was also a great multitude. A great multitude, a great crowd of disciples. And then a great multitude from all over who were coming to hear Jesus' teaching, to see him heal. They're excited but you hear what Luke is saying about these people. Not all of these people are from the same background. Not all of them are from the same place. And not all of them have the same level of commitment. I think, I think we can break down that, the audience that day into two categories. There are the committed and there are the curious. There are the committed and there are the curious. There are the disciples and then there's the rest of them. And we already know there's a wide variety of backgrounds even among the disciples. I mean, you've got a tax collector, probably more tax collectors. You've got fishermen. Some of John the Baptist's disciples have come over and are now following Jesus. You may even have an ex-leper in there. You know, this, this leper that came to Jesus in the last chapter. There may be an ex-leper or two in that crowd. And these people are going to have their differences. They're not always going to see eye to eye. They have one thing that unites them all. They have one thing that holds them together. They are all united around Jesus. I don't think they're a whole lot different than us. I don't think they're a whole lot different than well, what I have to look at on any given Sunday morning. You know, I, I look out in the crowd on any given Sunday morning and I don't know if you realize just how, how frustrating it can be to try to make sure I address everybody and give everybody a little something in the sermon on any given Sunday. On any given Sunday, I can look out and I can find a farmer and I can find a physicist on Sunday morning. A farmer and a physicist. I see people who are retired. 
I see people who are starting new families. I see people who, who have been through an awful lot. There, there are teachers. There are nurses. There are cancer survivors. There are survivor survivors. And what do we all have in common? We have Jesus. We're all different, but we're held together by one Savior. Now that connection is not weak. That connection is not a small thing. It is not insignificant, but it does demand that we nurture it. It does demand that we feed that connection and it be allowed to grow stronger and hold us all together. We're all different, but we're united through Jesus. And so Jesus preaches this sermon to the crowd, and He preaches it to us, because the values that Jesus is upholding, the values that He's calling these people to, those values are different. You can't pour new wine into old wineskins. We get that, right? We understand that part? You can't pour new wine into old wineskins. It's kind of funny because when Jesus says that, uh, the, emphasis, the emphasis is on what happens to the wine. You hear that? It, it, the emphasis there in verse, verse 37, he says, the wine will be spilled! And you can almost hear the gasp from the crowd. Oh no! Don't spill the wine! I mean, you know, I, I was always told, you, you, there's no use crying over spilt milk. Uh, but apparently spilt wine, you can cry about that all you want. You know, it's, that's, that's just fine. But what Jesus is emphasizing is this stuff that I'm giving you, this stuff that I want to pour into you, it is good. It is valuable. It, it's delicious. You're going to love it. You don't want to spill this. You don't want to miss out on this. So make sure that you're able to carry what it is that I'm giving you. Luke, you notice there's some differences. We're so much more familiar with Matthew's Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5, it says that Jesus looked at the crowd and He went up on a mountain and sat down. You notice what Luke says. Luke says He saw the crowd and He found a flat place and He stood there. So this is, this is a different sermon, but... Jesus seems to be repeating Himself just a little bit here in this one. Both of them begin with a series of blessings. Both sermons begin with a series of blessings or what we call what? We call them the Beatitudes. That's right, you all did very well. Beatitudes. Yes, we call them the Beatitudes. You notice in verse 20, it says after, after He's standing there, the crowd has come to Him. Verse 20 says, and He lifted up His eyes on His disciples and said... Now wait a minute. Who's in the audience? Well, there's the disciples. And then there's a great multitude. There's the committed. And then there is the curious. They're also there. But Luke is very specific. Who's Jesus looking at? He looks at His disciples. And then He begins speaking to them. Verse 20, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, because you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, shall laugh. It goes on and on. Why is he focusing on the disciples? Because if anyone in their world was going to see what real blessing was, they first needed to see it from the disciples. The disciples were going to have to get on board with this. They were going to have to agree with Jesus as to what a real blessing was. It needed to be seen in those who were committed. And it needed to be seen in how they treated others, how they valued others, even people who are poor, even people who are hungry, even those who are weeping, and those who are hurting. In other words, Jesus says those who are blessed are those who can't do anything for you in return. Those who are blessed are those that can't do anything for you in return. They're the blessed ones. And that's not what our world says. That's not 
That's not who our world considers blessed. Our world considers those on top to be blessed. Uh, are, are those who are the, the big names, those who are the movers and shakers, those who have made it, those who have got it all together, they're the ones who are blessed. And if we're not careful, we have to admit, those are the ones that we start looking to and say, wow, if I could only be like that person, if I could only have what they have, because they are so blessed. We do that in church, and we need to ask, are our values the same as Jesus's? Are we valuing the same people that Jesus values? There's a big difference between Matthew's Sermon on the Mount and, and Luke's Sermon on the Plain. For one, Luke's is shorter, so that's a, that's a big thing for us, right? It's a little bit shorter. But then also, after the blessings, after the Beatitudes, here in Luke, Jesus goes on to pronounce woes. <laughs> he pronounces curses. Who, who is cursed? Jesus says those who are rich are cursed. Those who are full are cursed. Those who have it easy now are cursed. And, and we're going to look at those blessings and those curses next week. And I, I promise you, promise you, as we look at those next week, it, it's going to be rough. It's going to be rough to hear. It's supposed to be difficult to hear because somehow it needs to soften us up. Somehow it needs to soften our wineskins. It needs to soften our hearts. We need to be renewed because what we contain is Jesus' new wine and it is more valuable than, than simply who we are. Because if we don't hear His words, we will break. It will break us. We will fall apart. And that's why Jesus calls us to be different. Because the foundation of your life needs to be different. Your foundation needs to be different. And if the foundation isn't different, then is there any real difference? Is there any real difference between the, uh, the committed and the curious? Is there really dif any difference between those who are in the church and those who are outside the church? Is there really any difference between a follower of Jesus and anyone else? And so at the beginning of the sermon in verse 20, Jesus is speaking to His disciples. Those are the ones who are committed. Those are the ones who are calling Him Lord. But is that the only difference? Is the only difference what they say about Jesus or is there something more? And so in verse 46, as He brings the sermon to a close, Jesus says, why do you call Me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to Me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream broke against the house and it could not be shaken because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like the man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. See, this isn't just about the committed. This is about anyone who turns to Jesus. Verse 47, he says, everyone, everyone who comes to me. I find a lot of hope in that statement. There's a lot of hope in that statement. Everyone who comes to me. Because everyone means anyone. Anyone can come to Jesus. No one is so lost that they can't come to Jesus. No one has messed up their life so much that they can't come to Jesus. No one is so broken that they can't come to Jesus and that, that He will not welcome them. But that, that means that for us, that means that for the committed, 
The foundation of our life needs to be firm. It needs to be strong. Others need to see that we are different. We're different because, well, we're different because we have different storms. Verse 48, he talks about being built on the rock and the the flood arose, the streams broke, and yet the house could not be shaken. I think about that and I think there's some of you who could tell that story. Because some of you have had storms where you have been hit you've been hit hard you've been hit hard with with sickness and loss and disappointment and and depression and despair and yet you've come through those storms with stronger faith more sure of what you believe in and the rest of us have watched that the rest of us have watched your faith we've seen your strength we've seen that foundation and you've given us something to hold on to you've given us strength for our own storms and the difference isn't just in who you call lord or how you hear His Word. It's in how you do His Word. How you bless those the world would not call blessed. How you love those that the world would say are unlovable. How you refuse to condemn and instead you're going to seek to love. You're going to seek to bless. You're going to seek to welcome. And you're going to seek to forgive. And how when someone else is hurting, rather than judge them, you're going to seek to reach out to help them. Jesus calls you. He calls us. To be different. My parents' house, house we grew up in, was one of the Heightsville homes. Does anyone remember the Heightsville homes? Who knows? Charles, do you remember the Heightsville homes? Yeah. You... Seven homes originally, but only four from Heightsville. My parents' house was one of the Heightsville homes. Heightsville was a settlement south of town. About to the second crossroads and then back a little ways. It was a little, little settlement that didn't take. But there were a lot of houses there. And the story that I've been told is that one winter, they waited until winter, and those houses were loaded on sledges, and oxes drug those houses up from Heightsville to Kansas. And so my parents' home and several others in the neighborhood were Heightsville homes. My parents' home had no foundation. Never did. It sat on railroad ties. Now that's fine as long as everything's okay. <laughs> that's fine as long as you're not you know, built on an old swamp. Uh, we are, by the way. Uh, and that's fine as long as you don't have any tornadoes, which we occasionally do. For the most part, it was okay. As long as there were no storms, as long as there were no challenges, the house was fine. But after a while, there came a time when those those railroad ties started to rot and we had to replace them. We had to jack the house up and put new railroad ties underneath it. I mean, it's fine to not have a foundation as long as everything's going to be okay. But you know what? Everything's not going to be okay. There's going to be storms. And so at the end of Jesus' sermon, there are two builders. One who digs deep and lays a firm foundation. And when the storms come, his house stands and then there's the other builder who builds his house on the ground no foundation the storms come the house falls two different builders at the end of the sermon and at the beginning of the sermon two different groups of hearers the great crowd of disciples and the great multitude of others the committed and the curious and at some point each one of us has to decide which group are we in are we going to be committed? Or are we just going to be 
curious. Are, are we committed to Jesus? Are we here because we love what Jesus says? We, we, we hear His love for us and what He does for us? Or are we just kind of curious? That does just make it feel good. You know, you, you want to be here because it, it just kind of makes you feel good. Are, are, are we building something new in our hearts, in our lives, in our family, in our communities? Are, are we allowing that new wineskin and that new wine? Are we here to be different? I want you to notice all through this sermon as we look at it over the coming month, all through this sermon, nothing here says easy, by the way. Not a single thing in this sermon says this is easy. Next week, we're going to look at the Beatitudes, the blessings and the curses, and, and it's not Jesus saying, here are some easy ways to be blessed. <laughs> no, not at all it. Let me show you the easy way to forgive others. There's no easy way to forgive others. Here are three easy ways to not judge people. Nope. Nothing like that in this sermon. Instead, he says, do not judge. Instead, he calls us to swim against the crowd and that when others are following their own way, when others are following a way that makes them feel good, makes them rich, makes them powerful, Jesus says, follow me. His call for us is to be different. Can we do that? Can we be different? Can we be the people that Jesus calls us to be? Let's stand and pray. Father, there's a world of people around us. There's a world of people around us who don't know that they're blessed. Because they're poor, they're hungry, they're hurting, they're bruised, they're beaten, and no one has ever told them that they are blessed. No one has treated them as blessed. No one has ever loved them as though they're blessed. And so let us bless them in how we love them. I pray that the foundation of our lives is firm enough to withstand our storm but also firm enough to shelter others from their storms. And so I pray that over this month, as we make our way through this sermon from Jesus, we will understand His call to be different, to think different, and even to love different. And where there is the rigidness of old wineskins in our lives, we ask You to soften us up. And Lord, if, if You can't soften us, then break us. Just break us. There is no other way to follow but to be different. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And go in peace.